0: of people who went against the grave. It was crucial to their future to be in the classroom.
1: We're actually safer as a result of being in school. Courageous Leadership Through Crisis. Live from the Blue Bear Cafe, this is Voices of Courage.
0: I'm here today with my friend Freebird McKinney, who was State Teacher of the Year, Freebird, welcome. Uh, you want to tell the audience a little bit about your journey from the classroom to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Morrison. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, I was a social studies high school teacher for 17 years. Um, primarily world history was my favorite subject, ninth grade world history. I also taught AP Euro, AP World, and IB Philosophy. and in 2018 I had the incredible great fortune and opportunity to be named the uh, North Carolina State Teacher of the Year and in our state um, you're provided a a sabbatical in essence to travel around to listen to learn Um, you serve on the State Board of Education and, and have opportunities to serve on other boards and coalitions and commissions and It's just an incredible opportunity to learn everything that there is to know uh, about North Carolina public schools. Um, And when that year is over, it's kind of difficult to put all of those experiences back into the bottle. Um, And and so I I was given the opportunity um, uh, every Tuesday I would spend in Raleigh learning about policy, learning about the General Assembly, learning about the inner workings of the board and the department. Uh, and just, I, I wanted to learn whatever I could in that time. So my mentor, uh, Cecilia Holden, who's now the president uh, of My Future NC, uh, kind of groomed me into a role as Director of Government Community Affairs for the state, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, that role allow me to be a liaison between the General Assembly, the Department of Public Instruction and the State Board of Education. But I really wanted that role to be more uh, of an educator diplomat, uh, of an ambassador that goes around the state and learns and listens and then takes those stories back to the policymakers and the decision makers. I, I, I firmly believe that the answer to every one of our challenges exists in a classroom or in a school already. Uh, It's just how do we get that information and get that back to the decision makers and allow that story to be the centerpiece uh, of how we move forward. Um, And now I'm uh, uh, getting to follow my passions in global education as the director of um, partnership development for Participate Learning, which uh, focuses on providing global education opportunities to each and every student um, possible. So uh, I'm Thrilled to be here with you today and and to, and to share some other stories about what I've learned and listened to across this state.
0: Did you ever think as a teacher you'd be doing all these roles that you're now in?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not in the roles. I had some incredible experiences as a teacher, I, um, taking students around the world every summer and um, working in teacher leadership academies and building student leadership academies. So we had some incredible Uh, opportunities that transcended the four walls of a classroom but never in these roles per se yes and
0: and so new leaders you know that may just be starting out from the classroom they need to widen their horizons that's one of the best things they can do Mm -hmm. Um, get out there and visit other countries go see what education looks like in other states visit other schools Um, grow your circle bigger than you know than it starts out with So I love the quote, um, COVID didn't shut down schools. Educators just kept going all hands on deck. The real voices of courage were the teams that got the kids back, reached out to the kids, visited the kids, set up avenues for the kids to keep learning, and got them back in the buildings. And that champion for children had never been um, the role uh, like it was in covid we are champions every day, but in COVID yeah. it was like superheroes, like that was the cape we were wearing. Children will remember educators because we helped them through the largest struggle of their young lives, and COVID kids will always be known from this generation as the kid, kids who faced a worldwide pandemic and overcame that. So I really appreciate the fact that you said teachers were the COVID keepers. Um That's I think it. that is so important. And this generation has already overcame so much. My friend Ricky Robertson says, you know, we shouldn't teach them to have a deficit mindset when these children have already overcome a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> uh, anything you want to elaborate on that quote? I just thought it was amazing.
1: No, and I, I feel like because so many of us that were in policy during the time and even now never actually taught in a classroom. And, and and maybe didn't even lead as a principal or as a superintendent during COVID, right? And, and yeah. I think that's such an important piece to understand is listen to those who are on the front line, who are having to make very, very rapid, flexible, resilient decisions, and who literally shepherded these, these students through this crisis. Like, again, and I think... One of the uh, initiatives that we started was, it was called District Visits and Voices. And and it was to get out, even during COVID, because like Minority city schools, you didn't shut down. And that was this misnomer in Raleigh is that schools are shut down. And I'm like, no, schools are not shut down. Whether or not you're still going in person or whether or not you're conducting online um, education, like schools are not shut down. Mm -hmm. The physical building might be, but everything that's going on, and we need to lift that up and highlight that. And then for those that ha- are paralyzed in in this state and in, in this decision-making process, because they're fearful that they may put students and staff in, in dangerous situations, lift up those examples like Monterey city schools, like Perquimans, like areas that were still doing everything in their power um, to, to have those kids in school, to have those staff there in in safe situations, but to, to transcend this, uh, and, uh, the, the impact of this crisis in their own individual, regional, you know, local ways.
0: Yeah, in D.C. and in corporate headquarters, they didn't come back to their offices sometimes for two or three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were back in two or three months. So, yeah. Our why really drives us to do that. And one of the things that came out of the Voices of Courage paper is really this, how can we be better? You know, Mm -hmm. how can we not Mm -hmm. waste a pandemic that happened to us to change the future for us, for our children? Um, How can we be better I think, you know, what you talked about with the school without walls, you talk about that before the pandemic. You knew that needed to be, you know, kind of a Mm -hmm. vision or dream of every educator. Get them out, go on field trips, travel places, learn from others, you know, zoom experts into your classroom. You know, that's one that everybody can kind of get their head wrapped around, but what about this whole what if there would be flexibility for staff? What if they could work from home or they could work remotely or they could work different places and still be doing the job that they are doing, but give them you know some flexibility maybe let a teacher teach half a day and coach other teachers the other half of the day you know let's think about what we had to do in COVID we immediately co-taught on zoom calls um, with our with our teams you know what are these public private partnerships that we have created during COVID that we could keep going with so for instance the ABC science collaborative was this huge group of epidemiologists that um You know, we Zoomed with every week, and particularly Mount Airy and the Northwest superintendents who were coming back before anyone in the country. Um, And I found it really interesting. I didn't know this, um, the lead for the ABC Science Collaborative, this national health collaborative, but he was on Anderson Cooper, and he said, Kim, I remembered a conversation I'd had with you that we were going to do this, we were going to come back, and we proved it in COVID. So when this variant was coming around, Anderson Cooper was asking him, so do you think schools can keep going? And he was like, absolutely, like, you know, the answer is yes. Um, So I just find that interesting that you know, this person I didn't know, this doctor who's on Anderson Cooper (laughs) remembers a conversation with me about schools can come back and here's how we're safely going to do that. He is now Mm -hmm. leading us through um, some conversations about the mental health crisis. Like, we can do this. Every child can Mm -hmm. be well, mentally and physically, and we can provide avenues to help with that. So what are maybe one or two ideas you have about how to be better coming out of this crisis?
1: Yeah, and I, I love that you bring that up because when I think about how do we kind of come out of this better, there's two, there's two ways. And I was literally in a classroom uh, yesterday in union County uh, at East elementary school. And I walk in the classroom and, and there's one teacher they they were co-teaching. There's one teacher at an oval shape and she had about four or five students, another teacher over in the other corner with about four or five students. But then throughout the room, there was a group of four students working together on something. There was one student who had headphones and, and was on a computer work. And there was another without headphones on a computer work. And then there were three others over here who had uh, what they were working on. And I, I'm thinking to myself, like, what a remarkable change and difference in how a classroom looks right now. Yes. And, and we just, we discover new ways that I feel like we, that students, adapted to learning that we just hadn't really put into practice to now where we have this this even in one singular classroom these diverse differentiated ways of of teaching and learning um we've absolutely it has changed our uh our our companies the way that we use zoom and the way that we use um online um instruction but at the same time it still lifts up the need to have that face-to-face interaction as well so the hybridization of how we can use teaching and learning with those face-to-face opportunities, but also the advantages that we have um, using digital teaching and learning uh, resources, I think is a huge one. The, the second one, and you mentioned this a little bit, is, man, our students all have already, uh, I mean, overcome and triumphed over this. Um, and they were doing it day-to-day. Our staff is doing it day-to-day. The competencies, that we realize now after uh, I think the pandemic and business and industry leaders are saying, you know, we, we need competencies like empathy. We need competencies like uh, critical thinking and problem solving. We need competencies like communication, flexibility. Like these are now becoming the focus pieces of what we want our students when they graduate in North Carolina Public High School to have. And I think they were so set up. Because of the rapidity of how they had to be flexible in their uh, experience in school, how they had to communicate in very different ways, how they had to develop a whole new level of empathy for how families and how their colleagues and how their friends were experiencing COVID from different lived experiences. And I feel like this is now what we've got a real opportunity to continue to build upon, to imbue those that where we may see gaps Because this is going to be the next level of not only a productive citizen, but also um, a a well-trained workforce. It's those competencies. And I'm extremely excited to be a part of that in my role in working with global competencies. I'm really excited about the North Carolina Portsmouth graduate and how those synergize. Um, But I think that COVID really shined a light on that because, these competencies are also aligned to social uh, social emotional learning skills. And so they're going to be the skills that as we're overcoming this uh, mental health crisis that our students are going to need to have, but are much better prepared, I believe, and developing those or continuing the development of those.
0: Yes. And it's interesting that industry is putting as one of their number one characteristics they want to see in a student coming into their industry is empathy and compassion. You, you right? didn't see that 10 years ago, right? You saw mm-hmm. the ability to problem solve, the ability to work well with others. But they really got it during COVID that if you were compassionate and empathetic, you were a better leader. Um, You were Mm -hmm. able to put yourself in the frame of these people around you and get more done. And I'm so excited to see that that was a positive outcome of COVID. Um, How can new leaders, either new principals or even teachers or superintendents, how can they become a voice of courage in this generation to say, we're not going to go back to the way traditional school was because it didn't work for most of our children? How can they be a voice of courage for the future so that we can be better?
1: Yeah, and, and I think twofold here. First is is be open to change. I mean, and, and it's so funny because I know that we, we had this mantra. It's like, you know, beyond normalcy because so many people were saying, man, I can't wait to get back to when things were normal. Yeah. And the challenge was, why, why would we go back to the way things were when they were normal, because they didn't always fit the needs of our students. And if COVID did anything, it shined a light on that. It shined a light on many uh, inequities in access and opportunity, whether that be broadband access uh, and digital teaching and learning skills, um, whether that's access to to nutrition. Um, And so our challenge is, my challenge would be why go back to normal? Let's go beyond normalcy. Let's look at where we had success where we can celebrate, where we saw triumph and amplify those. Um, And I think that takes time, but that also takes, as you were saying earlier, that asset-based problem-solving mindset that we had to flip really quickly because we were constantly trying to solve problems and to now where we actually have a little more time and we can be a little more intentional in that strategy and that process, but move beyond normal now as we're serving our students. Um, and, and the second one, I, I, I think it, it relies on just flexibility, um, flexibility in our work environments, flexibility in the way that we see what it means to be a classroom teacher, um, what it means to be a student, yeah. um, and in many cases, what it means to be a leader. We, uh, uh, there's a, um, In West Oxford, Granville County, there's a, a, a principal there who is just doing five-minute staff meetings at the beginning of each week. Because she realized like the power of, of having that face-to-face five minute, but also, you know, I can send emails or I can record and send out a video if there's other things that I need to get a point across instead of maybe having an hour and a half long staff meeting at the end of a long and trying day um, when teachers still got to put the grades in and grade and get the classrooms back and organize. And I was like, what a brilliant, just like flip. It's like, I want to make sure we have five minutes face to face, but I want to value your time and these other ways I can develop strategies to get you the information that I need you to get in ways that don't require that old kind of hour and a half long faculty meeting. Um, And and so I just think the flexibility in looking at education from a a myriad of lived experiences and how we now uh, are, are more attuned to those and build out strategies I think are, are two ways that I, I, I would say we've learned a lot. Now let's apply that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think you're right from Edgecombe to Wake to Hickory to Davie County to Ashe County, all of these districts, they're all doing something really cool and great for children that we can learn from. Uh, that's one of our favorite things is to try to go visit from innovative leaders. And I say, okay, you know, in Edgecombe, you were doing great things with micro schools during the pandemic we started a micro school, you know, Kathy Mm -hmm. and Wake was doing some pretty awesome things with getting kids back to school and thinking through transportation. You know, we ended up with the smart bus piece based on some of those conversations. So for new leaders, find those folks that are, they're doing the job you're in, but they're better than you and you know it. And learn from them because then you'll you'll rise to that level and you'll you'll get everybody there. That's how we can be better. The last thing I would say is respect for educators needs to be top notch in our country. Mm. You know that's going to be one of my personal goals to elevate the voice of educators. This Voices of Courage I hope will make an impact as we present all across the country to say when everyone else went home our educators went to work and they do that every day um Even though it is our community's responsibility to make sure there's Wi-Fi in our communities, who started paying for hotspots in our communities? Our schools did. Because we know we can do a lot to help children be successful. So educators are the heroes. And how do we be better with helping everybody understand that? The first year of the pandemic, parents kept saying it. I mean, I got emails, texts, calls, I can't believe, you know, in the first few months I've had to have my child at home that teachers deal with this every day, and I only have two kids in my house. You know, You've got like 1,800 children, you know. And so how do we elevate the voice of educators and be better with that and get the Mm -hmm. respect that educators deserve? And I hope this Voices of Courage series will do a little bit of that. I think, Freebird, you've done that your entire career, elevating the voice from the classroom of the children and of the staff. So thank you so much for being here today. I would say, is there anything else you would want this audience to know about um, how to be a voice of courage for the future?
1: And you know, you started this off, like I love this idea of the COVID keeper because you're right, our kids are gonna return to these spaces and these moments and they're gonna realize like who shepherded them through this. Um, and it's our teachers in the classroom. It's our principals at the school level. It's our custodians and our bus drivers and our child nutrition staff. Like all of them are COVID keepers. And I think as we we think about this concept of being the hero of your own story, like if everyone strives to do just that, and, and remember, uh, you know whether or not it was a mentor that helped you along the way, or or someone that gave you that great piece of advice or a resource when you really needed it like we ultimately can transcend any obstacle or challenge that's in front of us and our teachers and our, our school staff do this on a day-to-day basis. They did it during COVID. They continue to do it. And remember that feeling that you just talked about as when we lifted them up as heroes, nothing's changed. They're doing even harder work in some cases because a lot of what we saw and shine the light on has been exasperated. So I just want to continue to lift those stories up and, uh, and celebrate the incredible and amazing work that our North Carolina public schools do on a day-to-day basis. It's the foundation of our future.
0: Well, thank you for being one of these heroes and one of these voices of courage.